When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. And if this is your first Geekscape, what I like to do is sit down with storytellers, usually they're pop culture. That's the stuff that I'm addicted to. So we're talking movies, video games, comic books, maybe some actors, maybe some video game voice uh, actors, whatever you got that's pop culture. That's what I like to do. I like to find out about the stories they tell, why they tell them, where they come from. And if you've been on this ride with us for 15 years, then you know what to expect. If not, well, we've got a great show for you coming up. Uh, my good friend Liam O'Donnell, he's got a brand new movie coming out called Skylines. Now, you may not know this. Actually, if you've been listening to Geekscape this whole time, you will know this. Um, I'm a Skyline fan. It's a movie that uh, came out a couple of years ago, about 10 years ago, this movie came out. And I went to the theaters to see it. I like sci-fi movies. I love alien invasion movies. And uh, that was the offering. And I went to see it and I enjoyed it. You know what? Call me an Eric Balfour fan. I don't have a tattoo, but I do like the guy. I think he's charismatic and I think he's a good lead. So I went to see this movie and it was fun. And then I'm a super great, like Frank Grillo fan. Uh, I don't know if y'all remember my review of Warrior, but I enjoy Frank Grillo. That was, I think, the first time I saw him. And he was in Beyond Skyline, which was the sequel to Skyline. So I watched that and I liked it. Uh, And now we've got the third movie, Skylines and Liam had a part in all three of them so i was super stoked to have liam on the show coming up um a little bit of housekeeping we still have a brand new show on the geekscape network that would be called binge town tv and the mandalorian is finishing up this week so i know the binge town kids are going to get together and they're going to talk about mandalorian so add binge town tv to your uh podcast apps go ahead and subscribe share it with your friends and if you like this show, go ahead and do the same for us. All right, let's bring Liam in. Let's talk some skylines and uh, let's see what the story is. Liam, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed that intro. I didn't realize <laughs> you were a you were a skyline one fan. In one of the, yeah, the so in the crowd. <laughs> I, it wasn't a full theater, Liam. But no, no, I I was probably at the theater because I, I was with <laughs> like my 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 wife and my dad and saw people leaving. <laughs> You know, are you okay? So, Liam, you wrote and directed these last two Skyline movies, but yes. the, the that first one is the Strauss brothers, and those guys were like the hot ticket in Hollywood at, at the moment. You know, they got an Alien versus Predator movie. I remember those guys were like the go to effects dudes. Yeah, um, what was your involvement in that first Skyline movie? 
Well, I, yeah, I, I started working for them doing just um, treatments, which would be like, so, you know, a record company would send them songs for, for music videos and they, and then the ad companies would send them storyboards. And that was really what their directing career was before they did features. And so I would take, uh, you know, the song and pitch them ideas and they'd pitch me back ideas and I'd have a job to like write up this three to five page pitch. And, uh, and that's how we kind of started working together. And then, you know, we would talk movies all the time. I, you know, they're, they're running this whole visual effects company. And I would just be like, hey, you want to go for a walk and we'll talk about movies. And then I'd work on them. And I just was kind of constantly like chirping alongside of them on like trying to get movies off the ground. And uh, so then AVP2 came and I basically did what I was doing for the, you know, for their commercials and music videos for that and worked on the pitch for them with that for, for months. And uh, luckily, you know, the greatest thing at be like 24 years old and get to work you know, that because I helped them so much with the pitch, they were like, you should come up on set and, uh, you know, you can work uh, on the previs and the trailer while we're filming and kind of be like a consultant liaison that would go in between, you know, because the studio would suddenly call and have notes on like a previs or uh, pages the next day and they're on set. And so it was kind of this hybrid role that uh, allowed me to get like my own like real film school there and work on a movie that had you know, practical aliens in it. So it, it was, it was really, you know, kind of a dream come true. And then um, for, for Skyline, it just came from, okay, they, they did that movie. That one uh, actually made a lot of money, but wasn't the greatest critical reception uh, either. And they had, uh, they had this apartment uh, that Greg, the, 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 one of the brothers and owners of uh, hydraulics had bought this penthouse apartment overlooking LA. And then we were like, it was right around like paranormal activity and, Cloverfield and District 9, those are all kind of in the ether. And you're looking out at this view and you're like, okay, like we, you know, we should film something here, obviously. What, how, what are those places in Marina del Rey? Yeah, it, it's that, it's, yeah. The, it's the building down there, um, the cove. It's in the movie. Yeah. It's yeah, right yeah. there at the end of the 90. We made, yeah, we made a deal with the building, like a ridiculously low deal to just like have access to every location there for a month. And so that's what we did. And uh, so we, that, that's like the whole script is like written around the found locations of like, okay, there's a parking garage, there's a pool deck, there's a helipad. So it is kind of like, it's like this building's highlight reel or something, but yeah. That, it that almost feels like of, an indie movie, like the way you'd make an indie movie, but for like an estimated $10 million. Well, but the, the, the actual live action shoot, like the initial live action shoot was $500,000. So that's it, insane. All, all the money came in later, you know, like right. where one, I think we would have finished it cheaper if we weren't bought by um, relativity and, and then universal, like really like, a, I think like a month after wrapping, we just showed them like the ending where they got sucked up from the helipad and, and some of the previs and they were like, yeah, we can sell this. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was kind of a short, uh, a stint. And then, and then it was like, okay, now we've got this, they started spending all this money on marketing. So um, the VFX and the sound were just top of the line on that movie. So the, it ended up, we did a reshoot um, for some of the first act stuff. And that ended up like bumping our DGA numbers up and it became, uh, yeah, like a $10 million movie. Yeah. What, uh, you know, what's insane Geekscape is a lot of the indie filmmakers who are listening to the show is, uh, when we make a film and then you send it to a distribution company, like that usually sometimes like double, the, the, the PNA usually sometimes doubles your budget. Like right yeah, off the I bat. Mean, you, budget, you, if you like, actually count the, the beat, you, order? 
Yeah, if you count the PA for Skyline, it's like a $50 million budget. It's crazy. <laughs> but that money that they put in, uh, you know, because the movie didn't do great domestically. It did like by today's standards, if you do like 22 million and you're a hit, but uh, 10 years ago and they spent like 30 something in PA. It, uh, it obviously was still in the red, but because they spent so much, it, it made so much money overseas and it continued to have this like market saturation, like, uh, you know, in DVD. So it, it was continuing to do um, pretty well in places that, that kept asking us about a sequel years after the fact. And so that, that was kind of where it was around 2013, where I was like, I just, I, I got to get on top of this sequel thing or it's going to slip through our fingers. And so that's when mm -hmm. I, I said, like, I'll write the script for the sequel. We had a treatment all the way back from when Skyline came out. We had the treatment for Beyond Skyline. But I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and write this without, without you know, spec it for you guys. But I want to direct. And they said to go for it. And, uh, and so that, that's how that came about. Yeah, what I love about it, and I actually like Beyond Skyline a lot, because uh, the other thing that was kind of in the whole zeitgeist at the time was remember Falling Skies, the the USA show, or I think it was TNT. TNT had that show Falling Skies with Noah Wiley on it. Yeah, I, I only watched the pilot like probably around the time of Beyond Skyline because I, I think it came out like maybe people were asking me to write a TV pilot, so I was kind of watching it for research, but I didn't watch it when it was on. Yeah, I, I'm a, I was a fan. I was a fan of that yeah. stuff, and um, like I said in the intro, like alien invasion stuff is always fun. It's always I think that it does tie into the same kind of survival mentality post nine eleven that we're thinking when you watch something like Walking Dead is like okay, this over you know bearing force you know that forces humanity into like the into a corner and forces our survival. What would you do? And I I think that is a genre that is really a uh i think that it's kind of a fallout from a lot of the 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 imagery that we've had at I, th I think you're right i think uh, you're right i think i think people were asking I mean, skyline you literally had towers in it and yeah no like i know i do I, <laughs> I think at the time i remember i remember doing like a press day at hydraulics and then we like went out on the the, the deck there and we're talking with different critics and there there was one i i can't remember her name a very smart um, female critic who was asking about that. And I remember kind of like, like not, you know, it, I didn't want to admit it. I think I was kind of like underplaying like, no, this is like, this is more like a, you know, just turn your brain off fun invasion movie. It's not, I, 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 I kind of was, di didn't want people to go in thinking that that was like, I don't know, something that had, that was conjuring up those images. But I think having, then seen other movies that continue to do it. I'm like, yeah, there it was definitely part of like the, our, the collective conscious at the time. Like it was definitely something about the feeling of waking up after like a party. It's like a normal day and, and the world is ending. And I think, I mean, that was pretty much a lot of people's experiences on nine 11. Um, you know, I, I was like walking to class that morning and then got into class. Uh, I was at Boston university and they were like, this is the day that we'll live in infamy, go back home and watch TV. And you're like, wait, what? And then you, your brain yeah, starts to like slowly try to put things together and you, you have such limited information. Um, so that was definitely, I think, part of it. Yeah, I, I think that's one of those things that if you aim for it, you're going to end up making something that's kind of gross. I think that, that what the successful pieces of the genre, Walking Dead being one of them is, you know, 
you, Robert Kirkman was just like, hey, I want to make a, a movie that keeps going after the Romero movies end. After we have two hours of these people, they still got to live in a world that's kind of messed up. What happens <laughs> then? And yeah. uh, and I think that's something that you've continued with the Skyline movies, these last two is, okay, yeah, you have a bunch of aliens that have invaded and taken out most of the population of the earth. Uh, what happens next? And although it's not a series, you have two movies to do in. And, you know, the 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 one tonal shift I'll say to Geekscapists who maybe watched Skyline or like, hey, that was cool. It was all kind of centered in one place. I don't know if it was for me. You do this thing, Liam, with the next two movies where you go so like fight heavy into this stuff that if I'm going to tell the Geekscapists that if you're a fan of movies that we pimp all the time are the raid films. If you're yeah. a fan of that stuff, if you really like the, I mean, I've got a Van Damme poster behind me, know, a video recording of the show. Like it. if you're a fan of a lot of that stunt choreography, I think that you did a great job on that second movie. Obviously Frank Grillo is amazing. And then you brought in like Eco, who is in the raid. Like you, you started bringing in these raid actors to be in the movie that's you know that's got to be awesome and do some heavy lifting for you you did it again on this movie and um i wanted to know where that came from that injection of sort of the hand-to-hand combat fighting that wasn't in that first skyline movie but is now part of the language well i mean i to go i guess to where it all really came from was like it was part of like you're like okay i'm stepping into the director's chair like what what am i going to do different about it and like it's a lot of pressure and I felt like, to me, my whole, like, my, my mantra in, in Beyond Skyline was, like, I just wanted, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up everything that I love into this movie. And if it fails, like, I'm going to fail with my love. You know, that, that sounds like a crazy thing to say, but I was like, I love. No, you, you, it doesn't. You didn't know if you were going to get another at bat. I didn't know. You know does that make sense? That's, that's not a you slight. Know, but like every no, time you go out, you don't know if you're going to get another up at bat. And the, and the reaction to the first skyline was so negative that I was like, I, who knows? You know, I just want to put something out there that like, I know I'm going to unabashedly love without any compromise. I'm going to cast actors that I'm huge fans of. I'm going to, it. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do like, every little thing that that of elements and, and put it together in places I haven't seen before. So like really the, the jumping off of that movie was die hard on an alien ship for me. I was like, what if John McClane got abducted by aliens? That was sort of the, 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 the beginning of it for, for Frank's character uh, and Johnny Weston's uh, Trent. So that's kind of like the first half. And then it was like, where does the ship crash was always like something that uh, we were trying to figure out. And, um, you know, there was, it, it, it was coming up with, with Laos, um, you know, my wife was born in Laos. And so that was definitely, uh, something that, you know, I learned from, from my time with her and stories with her and her sister actually moved back to Laos. Um, so there was a bunch of different things that I was thinking about with the, with the minefields and with, uh, tunnel warfare from the Vietnam war that I thought could be like a really unexpected, cool way to go for the third act instead of, um, going on the ship and having everything be so big to then kind of go actually smaller and more contained uh, into the end until it breaks out into a big, you know, temple battle. So we're like, okay, let's go scout um, in Asia. And we, we met uh, a really interesting company, infinite studios that has a stages in Singapore and across the Bay and Batam. And so when we met, met, met them, like our first dinner, they were like, you know, we're friends with the raid guys, Zico and Yayan. 
and it was you know do you think you think you'd want them in this movie and it was like wait what like that that could happen and they're like yeah and oh here's their manager which was uh, at the time was gareth evans wife maya She's in Jakarta. Yeah. Yeah. She's in Jakarta this week. And so then we're like emailed her and we're like, we're going to be in Jakarta tomorrow. Can we get lunch? And she's like, uh, yeah, I guess so. So then we bought tickets to Jakarta, like went there. It was like, you know, we just, we had to close that deal to make that happen. Cause it just, you know, just, just having that name float across the table, like it changed all the possibilities for the movie. And then once you meet them, they're just the greatest, like hardest working, most humble guys. And they, they were so, pumped to add choreo to the movie so like the back half had like they fought they fought an alien in a bunker and then they had a whole war but it wasn't as martial arts heavy obviously and then you know i could never choreograph a fight like those guys could like no one can you know that's you right yeah that's me they, they know all about me they're coming to get okay. me uh, but yeah, so, about that. <laughs> so, so once they started adding it and that was like even a thing where my creature designer alan holt you know, he's making these monster suits in Los Angeles at the time. And he thinks it's going to be kind of like the script. And I'm like, hey, have I showed you this choreo yet? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, the uh, shit out of the air. And he's like, uh, what, how, how, uh, you know, so he had to build all new stunt heads that were like these foam heads that could take a punch. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was like a gift from the movie gods on, on Beyond for sure. And uh, I mean, you've obviously seen those stories of Van Damme and the Predator suit like early on how John claude yes. Van Damme was like yes. in the Predator suit and it looked like this giant like prey manis looking thing. They had like yeah. a really wonky suit and the rumor is that he had just signed that 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 contract with the Canon Films guys to do Cyborg and Kickboxer and stuff like that and so he he intentionally tanked the performance to get fired so that he wouldn't get injured in this thing and that's a rumor but um once you start making these people, you know, I'm guessing they can't see too well in these suits and then they got to do this choreography that's pretty exact where you're blocking with camera camera's pretty close in some of these shots yeah and with performers who are moving around quite a bit uh what were some of the challenges there because again you're redesigning some of the script and like the choreo on the fly yeah i mean the first thing we shot for a fight with the alien was um the the scene where the the, the alien comes down into the bunker and fights eco and kills a bunch of his guys and then fights him one-on-one. -on -one. And the first, like, take action, um, Anise Sherfois uh, was the uh, stunt performer. He stands up on the stilts, takes one step forward, and just falls right on his kneecap from, like, you know, four feet up. And it was like, fuck. So uh, those stilts were uh, a real problem for us, and that ended up becoming, like, the, the bulk of our blooper reel over the credits of Beyond Skyline because they just kept falling over all the time. And I tried them on at a gym and I, I did it for like, uh, you know, like a, a minute. And I was like, okay, I want to come down now. This is, it's, it's kind of a weird, like you're not used to like lifting weight up with your leg. You know, you're used no, to. No, you learn to skateboard when you're like three feet tall because your center of gravity is so low. If you start learning to skateboard when you're six feet tall, you're completely wonky. Well, it's also like, like, you know, when you're in the gym, you're squatting, you're pushing down, but like, you're not generally like tying weights to your feet and lifting up. And that's sort of the feeling that it's like a lot of strain on your groin and it just, it's not, not a great feeling in general. Um, but those guys are all such, you know, gifted athletes, gifted stuntmen. Um, but so for Skylines, that was one of the things that we did redesign. We, we brought in, uh, we bought a new uh, stilt system called DigiLegs that were kind of made to be on screen fully practically. And then we had to put in like 
skins around them and skin more of the legs. So in Beyond Skyline, the suits kind of ended at the knee and they were all digital for the rest of it. And uh, it ended up being kind of a, a real pain in the ass VFX wise because the way that the hips move, you kind of couldn't keep uh, as much of the practical leg as you wanted. So it ended up having to be like always replacing from the waist down. And that's just really expensive because it, it starts to become fully 3D CG instead of just a 2D composite. So mm -hmm. um, so I really wanted to, to, to nip that in the bud in this one. And so we did. And, and, it, and it turned out really well that like, um, you know, Trent is our alien character in this who's part of the team. And, um, you know, he originated in, in Beyond Skyline and now he's a full alien <laughs> in Skylines. But uh, yeah, like 90% of his leg shots are all on camera, which is cool. Well, some of the... I, I want to talk about that because in the first, I mean, your first film, the the first one, uh, when you start having all these stunt, like uh, these hurdles to get around, you know, and there's always going to be hurdles, but this one is actually pretty costly. When you start realizing that there need, need, to be, need to be digital solutions to this or redoing some of this uh, first time out of the gate directing, were you freaking out? How did you handle some of the stuff going on in your head when you start seeing these fires that need to get put out and you need to keep laying track down as the train is coming? What were some of the things that you'd tell yourself or what, or your team to keep things moving? It's a great question. No one, no one's, I like this. So we're like, this is like a nuts and bolts filmmaking podcast. Yeah. Like uh, the, yeah. First, the first movie, man, like, like beyond skyline, the first movie directing, I mean, it was it was a real like getting thrown into the deep end of the pool with uh with weights strapped around your neck because you know i'm the first day we're filming in this rice paddy in indonesia uh with frank and eco and we have the whole cast coming together and it starts raining like a you know right away it was like every every day in indonesia in the jungle we'd get rained out for hours and uh, so the, the, it kept adding days. We kept falling behind schedule. Sets would get kind of swallowed. There's scorpions and snakes that uh, you kind of like, you step on it and like you don't want everyone to see that it's right there. So it was really treacherous. Uh, I was just so happy that, um, you know, no one got injured in that fight because, you know, they, they were, it, we had choreographed and rehearsed the fight really well. But then once you get to the set and it rains right before the fight, the footing was so difficult and we have literally Frank picking Eco up, throwing him. Uh, we did have a stunt double for when Frank gets like his neck slammed through a hut. But uh, you know, the stunt double, I was worried for him. It that was that was kind of all the, the biggest fears of of everything at the beginning. And then Greg Strauss, who was the producer who directed the first one, was kind of my backstop, helping me. Uh, he was shooting plates in the second unit. Hydraulics is like whole server goes down like three days into the shoot and he has to go back to put that fire out in LA. So then it was like, okay, now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really handling this all. You know, I had my producing partner, Matthew Chouse, but it was still like, it's a big movie for even just two people to be like putting out all the fires all the time. Um, but yeah, like it, that, I, I just had like the, the confidence of, I guess just this, this, this naivete in a, a lot of a lot of ways. I was just like, it has to happen. It's going to work out. And uh, if anyone gets in my way, like the only thing I'll do is I'll just keep out working people. So every time there would be, you know, obstacles, I would just, you know, keep going. And that, that happened in that movie all the way through post because we couldn't build this huge set in the second act that um, was supposed to be all in camera in Indonesia. But 
uh, to actually get rock and roll trust to the stage there was going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars because it wasn't available there to make everything safe so that we could put the cast on wires because we have you know cast members hanging yeah. upside down in alien cocoons and people jumping and fighting you know big huge tentacle monsters so that couldn't be made safe and uh, we had to then shoot it later back in LA all on green screen which like you know was a pain in the ass just to shoot because you know it, it, it's too so much action in such a small space and you're kind of having to explain to everybody everything and not really working from the real set but then afterwards in post it ended up being like 500 more shots than was like we ever thought was going to be in the movie so that movie ended up just stretching on and on so when people are like and then it came out seven years later for the sequel i started shooting that movie at the end of 2014 then we had to break for for frank to do another movie we finished it in may in toronto uh, and then after that, it was like we did so many VFX for about two years, and then we kind of finished it early 2017, but uh, Vertical didn't want it to release it until Christmas. So it was like it was just a marathon, really. So there's so many different kind of points within that movie where I felt like, you know, I, I had my back against the wall, even even when we did a re-edit of it towards the end. You know, the new editor came in. He was more... Um, He's a veteran action guy, Sean Albertson. And, you know, he's kind of looking at me as this young punk. Uh, he's going to show me. And I, and I kind of was just like, we're going to become best friends and we're going to finish this movie together. And he was like, okay. And we did because I just <laughs> kept showing up every day. And I just kept being like, you know, he, he, he had leaned out. He had taken out one of the fights, which was in, in, uh, introduction fight with the next stab. And I just kind of kept like doing like a, like a little – Chinese water torture, like a drip a day until finally he like, he, we found a way to put it back in at the last second. And he was like, you know, it's, it is, it's okay. And I was like, just like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? People are here to see, you know, eco stab people Action. in the neck. They're here for yeah. him. Like what, what, why would we not have this in the movie? So um, yeah, that, that was, that was sort of like, the only thing I can do is, is not quit and keep working as hard as I can because uh you know, like you said, you never know if you're going to get another shot at it. Would you suggest next time starting just because new crew, new you got to you got to establish that rhythm, and sometimes it takes several days to establish that rhythm. Would you suggest with just doing like some of the conversational scenes early on, just be like, all right, let's do some basic coverage with some oneers here and there, because we got to make sure the team knows how to work together before we start doing these crazy bigger set pieces. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly not, feel like not the schedule and the rain season would love that. But. I think the producers were like, "This fight's not bondable. Let's do it before the bond on the movie actually yeah. closes. Let's let's yeah. do all this crazy shit up front, and then uh, it, which is exactly what happened. I don't think the bond closed till like March, and we were there in in December. So it was like, go go get all this crazy shit that like no one's ever going <laughs> to sign off on. There's uh, that. Yeah, but, Geeks Canvas, yeah. we're making music videos. Always shoot the band first in case you get thrown out of the location, okay? Like, make sure if everything goes tits up, you at least have the band, like, yeah. done, and then moving on. Uh, but no, I, I, it's interesting wow. about thinking about schedules and what to do first is, is uh, yeah, I, I definitely think, especially working with, like, your lead first in in, in a simpler scene is, is a great way to start off. Um, and I think that's... That's, that's more of what we did in in skylines you know like we, we shot the green screen stuff at the at the beginning of the movie that was a continuation of beyond 
with just Lindsay and the, the suit actor for Trent. And it was like a half day, like, let's just, you know, cause we only had two fully green screen sets. So it was like a half day. We even didn't call it a day. It was like an X day. And that was the first thing that we did. And, and it was great because it was like, I could see that she came in so locked in. It was, you know, I'd only worked with her with one day on beyond skyline, but she was like, we we're talking about eyelines and where she wanted to look and, and pacing out the scene. And she's like, I really feel like I need to look at my brother right now. And like, you look at the big guy in the suit and you're like, Oh yeah, she, she really believes that's her brother. This, this is going to work. This is amazing. So, so yeah, and Lindsay, I, I definitely would do it that way. Yeah. And Lindsay Geekscape is like, she was on, uh, this is Lindsay Morgan. She was on the, the hundred. So she knows how to do the action stuff. She knows how to do the choreography and she knows how to do it like at a TV pace too, which is much different than doing it on a film pace where you have probably a bigger crew and a little bit more time to do it. You know, it had to have been advantageous to have Lindsay come in with the mindset of, like you said, if I'm not locked in with my character, if I'm not locked in, um, we may be going at a pace that doesn't allow me to play catch up. And that's really huge. And that's a yeah. huge advantage to you. And then again, like you said, doing just simple, you're, you're talking about this, the, your Lord of the Rings intro with the spaceships. Yes. I'm going to call it the Lord of the Rings intro. That's what I call it. I call it. I call, <laughs> yeah. I, I call it the, yeah. James Cosmos does the Lord of the Rings intro. <laughs> because first off, when I'm watching the Lord of the Rings intro, I was like, Liam, you know, you're cheating me right now. <laughs> You know, you're like straight up. You first off, I'm just gonna call Skylines Skyline Four because there's a Skylines Three that you gave us in the first like five minutes yeah. of Skylines, and you straight up were like, "Yeah, this happens. This happens. This happens. Enjoy." Yes. And I was like, yes. "Lord, yes. you just Lord of the Rings." Like, was it like ten seconds left in the football game, and you're just trying to chuck it up the field as there's, fast as possible? There's, there's still room to. There's still room to explore that that time period. Um, you know, if if if, uh, if that were to come down, uh, were to come down the road, because I, I I have fleshed out the stuff that happens in between the movies, um, and I really, uh, not to jump ahead, but that would be that would be something I'd love to do. But yes, it is like, I, I you know I I feel like what was it uh, X Men Days of Future Past kind of did that where all of a sudden you're like wait was there another movie in between this did I miss something what what is this a sequel to we're in the and, future uh, now yeah and right Magneto and Charles are getting along and, and I, I kind of love that shit so that was that was a little bit of like let's just uh, yeah let's we'll do our we'll do the Lord of the Rings kind of like consolidate and I also tried to just put the lampshade on it where he's just like uh, after that it gets complicated because it's wasn't some pre-designed trilogy it's kind of uh you know each movie's been this different evolution and then if you're actually going back and being like okay what are the rules of this superhero character how do i create her origin in a nice like easy to digest mythology um i kind of just had to to crush it all together there in like two minutes and then and then get you into you know this new adventure and again gamescape is if this is your first skyline movie what I know we're joking about the Lord of the Rings intro and how, you know, original Lord of the Rings did it in the first movie. Liam's kicking it in the third because he's just rocking that way. Um, you know, it does give you what you need. So if you, if you just decide to check out this one, uh, which I actually suggest you check out all three, but if you just check out this one, that that's not a, you know, he does give you a pretty good Cliff's notes there at the beginning. One yeah. thing, uh, a Geekscape's uh, bold T is asking, Liam, do you read comics? What is your favorite book on filmmaking? Before you answer that, um, there's a really great comic called Descender or Ascender. And I think it got optioned by, um, 
I think it might be a Netflix or an Amazon series, but uh, the writer who does it, I'm trying to, I, I'm, I'm blanking on it, but what Ascender is, is like in the future, or Descender's the first one, Ascender's the one going on right now, but in the future, like robots are outlawed because these giant robots showed up and just started killing people, like giant, oh. and they're, they're in, in, I'm just preparing you for this, they're called harvesters in that one, and they're huge, like Galactus-sized, robots and they show up and because of that a lot of our assistant robots and companion robots and things like that are outlawed and they're like hunting down robots and it's about like this this guy who's young you know he outgrew him, but his young companion robot was left like on this planet and kind of finds out like a little bit of pinocchio story kind of finds out his autonomy and his bigger purpose to kind of save everybody from the potential return of these giant robots and as i'm as i'm thinking about it i'm just like okay the like it is a similar theme not that it's no uh, no but yeah i definitely recommend it because it's a super cool story and again it's very different than yours because this one is a future society it's an intergalactic federation it's got a lot of different things going on um but the and whole har- idea harvester is a pretty common yeah. name uh we we didn't i didn't have names for i didn't even have the word alien in any of the first two scripts really but that's and, what they're doing in the first movie. They're definitely harvesting people. Yeah, exactly. So it just became one of those things where it's like we, you know, it, I, I liked. I had like weird names. I had like in the second one, the, the the evil alien was called the shepherd, like she was the shepherd of this flock. But no one's gonna ever say that word. So harvesters was just a very kind of simple, like you said. It, it's it's what you see them doing. So it might well, as well be the name. Do you read comics and like where where do you? Yeah, start I was I was the huge comic fan. Like, um, so I'm I'm. 38 now so like when i was like 10 to about you know 15 was really more my uh, heyday which was like the image comics explosion heyday of like spawn and you know todd mcfarlane um you know the sideways issue was like those were all like my touchstones of like oh i got i got really into that run i was really into x-men um i actually like Darkhawk, which everyone makes fun of me of, but I really like. People we were like, "Would you like Dark to make and Shadowhawk and all that stuff?" Was it Shadowhawk? Yeah. Darkhawk was the Marvel version. Shadowhawk was the image, image version, but the image version was kind of a ripoff of Wolverine. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and that was uh, Jim Valentino's thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like Max and Pitt and all those. You know, Sam Keith. Um, so that that's kind of where my comics like you know, heyday came from. And then when you start, you know, coming out in, into, into Los Angeles um, in the, in the early two thousands with that huge, like graphic novel boom, you know, with 300 and then Watchmen and stuff. I was, I was reading a lot then the, the, the last comic that I really, really loved though. I, it was a co- couple years back was the dark horses, like the, those, uh, the Conan series that they did, which were like, they did it all. Awesome job! I bought every single one of them, and Kurt uh, Busiek's artwork, and that dude, the guy who who was the guy uh, who was doing that artwork that Kurt Busiek was writing, and it was like Carrie North. It was the I best think. like storytelling of Conan because I, I, you know, I've read all the short stories. Um, I had an opportunity to like kind of consult on that uh, reboot before um, it went to the spell. And so I read every single short story and I, and I, and I read all of those dark, uh, dark horse, uh, adaptations. And I felt like from every piece of media, I felt like that was the most perfect. It was the most perfect kind of blend of, you know, the, the, the fantasy with 
the the savage kind of like ideology of that character, which is always kind of annoys me in the movies is that they always make them revenge movies because they think that's the only way that like this this his like his his harder edges will be palatable for an audience. And uh, you know, he doesn't really even have a revenge backstory in 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 the original stories. Yeah, and I thought, he's an explorer. He's like a he's a thief and an explorer. He's more, he's more like the man with no name, like a Clint Eastwood, or even like there's an element of Jack Sparrow of like that this like agent of chaos that kind of can play people against each other. Uh, you know, like Yojimbo, like he's he's got this intellect where like people will always hire him for a gig but they're going to try to fuck him and he's going to fuck them worse. And he's going to yeah. get away with the money and the women and the, and the food. And I'm like, that's such an awesome character. I just wish that, you know, in movies that they could do it like that instead of have it be always, you killed my parents and I got to come get it, which is like, I fucking love, you know, that Arnold's Conan the Barbarian. I think that that kind of made sense for that time. But now if you were doing a new one, that, that was at least what I was urging at the time. Uh, was to call it like Conan the Sumerian and to have it be like he's Clint Eastwood. He's he's the man with no name, but he's a fucking barbarian and uh, no one listened to me. I like that take way better. And I used Carrie Nord's artwork as a reference when I put out, I have a character named Super Action Man. When I put out a comic on that, that Carrie Nord artwork was my like reference. And I got to tell you straight off the bat that I was reading Avengers this week and who did the artwork? I was like, who's doing this artwork? It looks familiar. Dave Keown, who did Hulk and then Pitt. Like, and oh, then, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This, I haven't seen this kind of artwork in a while. Oh, it's Dave Keown. I got it. Um, There's a new series with Conan that's like Savage Avengers that uh, I've saw online, but I haven't bought it yet. But it looked, it looked like right up my alley. But it's kind of fun. Uh, Gary Dugan, who's, yeah. who's uh, the writer, he's been on the show, Geeks Gabus. He, he's in charge of that one. But I do recommend just the straight up. Conan stories that that Marvel's doing. I think they're doing a good job. As you know, it's it's the best stuff since that Dark Horse stuff that you're talking about that Kurt Busiek started right. with Carrie Ward. I love that stuff. I think it's incredible. Um, as far as getting into film school beyond work, you know, once you're at a Boston, you know, Boston University, like what are you doing? Like like when you're working with these guys, uh, you get the job. I've written a million treatments. We get yeah. it here in LA. Like it's just you're constantly at bat, at bat, at bat, at bat, and you really. Geekscape is, if anything, your creative. Uh, one thing it does is it builds up your the the kind of creative um, just level you have to stay at for a long time. Yes, because yes. you exhaust your mental force like really quickly by like eight p.m. You're just like useless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I got really really lucky um, because they uh, the you know they they were like they had they had this huge visual effects company and then this this their directing career was like this side thing so they they needed to delegate a lot so they delegated a lot to me so it was kind of like going to director school and learning that part of it but you know mainly from a writing perspective but because they those guys bought so they bought their own cameras they bought their own lenses and eventually we had stages we could just shoot things uh and there would always be like okay well if this is the pitch like it around 2009 was when we started just shooting our own pitch trailers like skyline. We shot a pitch trailer of that with, uh, you know, with our, our friends who were, you know, aspiring actors, you know, like uh, during the Thanksgiving day break of, uh, of 2009 and that, and having that to go with the, the treatment and writing the script and having concept art and hydraulics is what got that, that initial 500,000 in to shoot it. 
So yeah, it that was kind of the like the DIY of, of what those guys did uh, instilled in me. And I was kind of, I had come from that from when I first came out there, I was working at like a local uh, pothead production company where they would pay me like in pot and marijuana and like occasionally a hundred dollars a week. And like, something. yeah, it was just like, <laughs> but it would be like, okay, here's a, here's like a, a makeup infomercial. Um, just go to the, you know, go over to their place and, and film these women talking about their, their like makeup line, which is like, uh, but it, it was enough responsibility that I had to like stand up and set up three cameras and say action for the first time. Well, I think my voice cracked. I was like, action. <laughs> and so like, it's better to have that experience there than, than trying to, you know, go and, and, and be in a real set and being like, okay, I need to get better at this. Um, and so that you didn't that want was, to have the makeup lady start punching each other and like, giving, <laughs> you didn't want to start doing the choreography there. I, trying I, I, that would have been such a great, I probably would have, uh, you know, actually, you know, had the business taken off if, if, if I just said like, okay, now you guys beat the shit out of each other. But no, at the time <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, I was, I was so scared uh, to do anything, but um, I've always, I, it, it's always just that feeling of like, you know, there's a little bit of that, like no one really knows what they're doing, especially when you're starting out. And I think it's better to like reach across the aisle than to always be trying to reach up. You know, like you get people that are like um, on social media that contact you and they're like, you know, how, what's my advice for becoming a filmmaker and becoming an actor? And it's like you kind of have to like make movies with the, 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 your friends and the people that, you you know, within your social group. It's like you can't just walk in and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be on this, uh, this, you know, uh, this movie set, like with, just because you're, you're a fan of them on social media, that's just not really how it works. It's like all, everything I started out with, it was like filming, you know, with my roommate. Um, and we, you know, we, we actually filmed on the skyline helipad before the movie did, because, you know, we, we were doing like this sci-fi super soldier thing where we had like, uh, you know, paintball armor on ourselves and, and all this stupid sci-fi sci-fi leds and we had like fake paintball guns on the rooftop up there illegally uh and so i was like yeah that's going to be a good location for for a movie because we'd already kind of done our own little dyi short that ended up being a little thing we put online uh and i feel like nowadays i mean that's back in like 2008 2007 nowadays you know that we were shooting like 24p uh on, the, on those kind of that was like the big breakthrough right remember sure how excited was, we were to do that best. it felt like I, we were real movie makers you know when the hvx 100 came out yeah. and suddenly you weren't cut shooting on mini dv you were just like yeah. what is this yeah this is amazing we can shoot forever yeah and so in in, in you know my roommate was really good at, he still is he, he did actually uh matthew santoro's his name he did all of the holograms like the moving holograms in the ship in skyline um, so he did all these after effects stuff on our footage back then. And it, it was a really exciting time because people were so like, I, I guess in a way, like easily impressed by visual effects. Like you could, if you could do that stuff, everyone's like, holy shit, how do you guys do that? But now there's like, you know, there's all these kind of plugins and it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit simpler to do that kind of basic stuff. But um, yeah, it was, it, it really was about kind of like it, just, just kind of failing and trying over and over again. And um, uh, yeah, but I, I, I definitely lucked into that situation where those guys were, were open to, to delegating and letting people kind of play with their toys. And Geekscape is, I think Kevin Smith also says this. He's like, dude, just make a movie where you are. Like you don't have to move to LA. You don't have to move to New York, especially now with all the, you know, I, I've told you a million times that John Cassavetes would have killed for the camera that's on this phone. 
and you can just go make a movie just do it and uh and like liam said like you will go up in parallel with each other you will climb with each other and look out for each other and i think that's way better than like the cutthroat ladder climbing where you get to the top and you realize you don't have any friends anymore (laughs) No, <laughs> like yeah. now you're just a commodity for somebody, and yeah. when they're done with yeah, you, you're done. Podcast. Yeah, no, that, that all that stuff definitely happens too. Um, but I even think like, like I feel like that that like me on the first movie on the first movie I directed with Beyond Skyline, and you're working with this really great veteran actor like Frank. You're like kind of holding on for dear life because he knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like you know, great. I think we're moving on. But being getting that experience was fantastic. But it was like it, to then work with Lindsay, who had never been the lead of a movie before, uh, who had all this great TV experience. But it was like it was a lot more collaborative from my end because I'd be like really working on what where we're picking our spots because she is so good at like um, getting emotional or fighting back. She's got all this fire, and it's kind of like. The difference, I think, especially when you're in like an ensemble show like like the 100, is that like when you're up to the bat, you got to like hit it out of the park each time. And I'll just be like, you're the lead of this movie. Like you can, you actually have to lose scenes, uh, which is an interesting thing to to learn. Like no, like you kind of just fucked up. Like your character just fucked up. If you try to beat the these guys in the next scene, instead of let them come at you and like show some vulnerability. Then I think we're going to lose the audience here. So there'd be yeah, all these add colors to it. You yeah, can't just be at one it. note the entire time. Yeah. So and 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 that was something that that was really really rewarding to to work on with her and and she she killed it. But it was like it, it was a, a, a you know like that saying like reaching across instead of up. It was that more of like okay we're kind of both the, in the same part of our career and and we're trying to figure this out together. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, Liam? Uh, uh, like. You know this this movie and Geeks Games. You'll watch it. It leaves a little bit open for a a fourth movie. Definitely hints at a fourth movie. Is that something you're interested in, or do you have somebody doing your mail right now that you're going to give the fourth movie to? Who's writing your treatments at this point? No, I don't have. I yeah, my 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 situation is not quite as. Uh, I, I have no I have no ability to delegate a thing. Unfortunately, I, I wish I did. It, but, it, uh, it, it's a hustle, and, and people yeah. I think get the wrong idea of it. And I was just talking to someone about this last night because I think, you know, certain people have, like you said, have, have a, have a wrong idea. And it's a, it's a weird thing for us to talk about because you don't want to complain about being a middle-class filmmaker. It's like, oh, well, no. what the hell is that? Like I tell people it's not laying brick. I was like, I'm not laying yeah. brick, but at the same time, you but know, the same we're, time, we're like, and a lot of the parts of the job would definitely be like better if you had millions of dollars, right? Like it's hard to tell my wife that I've got to go away for three months and she's going to take care of four kids and I'm not coming back with a $2 million check. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they're I all yours. That, all those kids are yours. They're all mine. And I, and I sound, sound, I feel bad whining about it, but it is. water on them and they start multiplying? Like how did you get that I'm many a, kids? I'm a, I'm a slow learner. I'm a slow learner. It takes, <laughs> takes me a long time to figure out how this stuff works, but. Yeah, but that 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 was one, and then and then also like where I'm at the point right now with this movie, where you know we've done the festival circuit for two months and got a lot of great reviews, and now like all the mainstream normal venues are starting to review it, and some they're just like, you know, it's obviously not the movie for them, and they're going to be really negative about it. And you're like, you know, what other job do I get just like shit on in public 
Like, like, like no one else like does the job where then like someone comes into the public square and is like, you fucking suck. And if you say anything back, you're a fucking thin skinned baby. Just take it. And like, it's just a weird job. And so like, I I guess it's like, it it is like, you just, yeah, it's like, you know, what would be great is if I were making a lot of money, that would be the great thing to go with all of this weird, unique stress. Whereas, yes, I'm able to provide, uh, you know, for four kids in uh, where everyone's doing great. But it is like it's a weird thing to complain about and try to explain to people. It's like I'm kind of living like a, a normal mid-management salary lifestyle. But then you have this weird added stresses of crazy travel, constant hustle, a lot of stress, uh, anxiety. Everything could be falling apart. There's not like the there's not that like security of like, oh, I've got a 10 year. I mean, I have 10 year. Or I'm going on retirement. Like no. it's all this. Oh, just, yeah. It's it's not a job for anyone, um, especially nowadays when we talk about mental health. Like that that's actually one of the things when when I'll talk to younger people, and they want to get into filmmaking. I'm like, I, I don't know how to. Does anyone even talk about this? Because it's you have to really be, you know, have have some sterner stuff or a great support system because it is pretty much designed to. Uh, like run on your anxiety. The whole thing runs on your anxiety. And Geekscape is what Liam's saying is actually really important because what we're doing when we do it right, when it's not handed to us, when we're doing it right is we're creating something out of nothing, which is like modern alchemy, which is, you know, if you, if you want the, if you want that safety that Liam's talking about, like go ahead and and think about med school or or law school. Um, Because we're making something out of nothing in the, the instrument, and I was talking about this earlier, that you need the, this this kind of um, high, you know, capacity for it. Is you you're making something out of nothing, and it's very exhausting. And if you're doing it right, like Liam's saying, you got to take it out from the inside. Because if you watch this Skylines movie, you're gonna see that Liam is, I mean, he's like dropping stuff in the script that's like shout outs to some of his favorite movies. Like I I think I know what his shelf looks like. There's a couple aliens references like straight up off the bat. But I'm just like yeah, whoa, all right. Um, but but because you're drawing from yourself, this sense of rejection that you get when you do get rejected and you will get rejected, it yeah. can just be crippling. We our last film, Geekscapes that you helped us fund, Chasing Fletcher Allen, like it, it got into a festival in India in May, and and Heidi was like, "Are y'all having the festival?" Because we've been in a few festivals that are all digital this year, as Liam's experienced, and 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 they got back to us. Yes, we're actually having the festival in May in India, and, and Heidi's like can we go like, let's go. And I'm like, no, we're not going to India. Like we're, this, this is not the year to go to India. No, when India here. having the second highest COVID numbers in the globe. Like I'm not spending like, how, that, that's an expensive trip. First off, I'm sure. not going, like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not going to India. We, we're going to send We're going to shoot a video tonight. And we're going to, we're going to send them a nice video to say, thank you for playing oh, our film. We hope you enjoyed it. I hope this Absolutely. is subtitled. Like that is that is what we could do because, you know, you, you know, it's it's, it's tough, Geekscapists, and yes. and uh, you gotta love storytelling. You gotta be yeah. like Liam is is talking. Like like we, we we're getting here through a lot of coffee deliveries. Yes. Yeah, and, 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 that, and, and I love and, it. And especially this past year, like like we wrapped we wrapped editing in February, so it was like perfect timing that I w- I was in London. We wrapped it like. Like, okay, we're going to lock for visual effects. All the VFX started in March as the lockdown happened. So, you know, we did like 1,200 VFX shots over eight months in lockdown. 
and it was crazy. But that that was my favorite part of the year, to be honest with you. I liked waking up and looking at those VFX and uh, seeing my budget dwindle down and <laughs> realizing that I was going to have to pay for some of it myself. But like, yeah, it, it was. It, it, it still was like it, I miss making the movie. I think that's where where I am right now. I like it was actually like a morning process to finish it. And now it is that feeling of like it's coming out and you're getting this feedback. And some of it is so amazing and people completely connect with even like the tiniest nuances of things you're putting out. And other people, it's like, how are how are these two people watching the same movie? It's, it, and, it's, it's such a specific you, audience. It, it, it's it's actually not. This I mean, is it's the, just reality. the audience. Reality. Yeah, exactly. But it's just reality. It's like, you know, half the, com- the country thinks, you know, the two different people won this election. Like there's, there's multiple realities that we're living in right now. So you kind of can drive yourself crazy. Um, but, but yeah, I just, just being real, I've, I've kind of been trying to talk about that a little bit more lately because even, when I meet up with other directors um, and get coffee, I, I I don't know if this is a faux pas, but I'll always ask them like, so how are you doing for money? Like what's going on with you? Like, how do you make and meet? A lot of the time you can kind of tell that it's family, you know, that they, they have some type of family connections. Cause you're like, well, dude, you haven't done a movie in like this many years. Like, you, you know, a lot of times they're, they're doing great and they're killing it on commercials and, and that's subsidizing everything. Uh, or they have other jobs, you know, like, Oh my uh, God, geeks gave us, if not for editing this year, it would have been brutality. But, uh, I had a, an actor cast, uh, I had coffee with him. We cast him a lead in a film. He's, he, he's done. He was in, he was the lead in a blockbuster last year. We cast him March 8th, March 12th. That movie's not shooting this summer. Well, that, that, <laughs> I thought of people like you, and that was that was actually what made me feel like counting my lucky stars. Oh, like- meanwhile, my producer George Callert wrapped the movie the week, the Monday before March. March twelfth was a Thursday. He wrapped the movie Monday, that Monday, and he's lucky as hell. He had one reshoot day that he was able to do without actors that he did sometime in July, and that movie's pretty much done. Based on a graphic novel, that's that's my producer with another director. Um, Geekscape is, I love, Liam, I love having people on the show to talk about the real stuff and actually talk about the mental stuff. The mental um, stuff is killer, yeah. It's 100% of it. And if you, Geekscape, if you like it, my buddy Adam Mortimer, who uh, just, who we were, we were talking about being on the production company together. He That's an episode or two ago. He did the, 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 this movie that just came out with Joe Manginello. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, so Arch, I, Arch he, Enemy. I met him in Indonesia. He actually came to the stages where we were filming Beyond Skyline and was scouting them for another movie at the time. I haven't seen him since. We both live in L.A. So I actually reached out to him last week to congratulate him on Arch Enemy. and was like, how is it that we met like six years ago in Indonesia and we've been living in L.A. and we haven't, you know, met? <laughs> and he was like, dude, I know. Like, we, you know, so we made a uh, we made a bro date to, to kind of trade war stories uh, as soon as it's safe to do so. Oh my god! Um, but, uh, but I yeah. can uh, can I can I hit you right on that one? Because because uh, Geekscape, <laughs> you you heard us catch up two weeks ago. I don't, I think Adam and I checked our tech, we were on the same we were in the same production company like for years, and we just checked our texts and we were like, dude, we haven't talked since 2013. I have your number. Why don't we? Do, why did we go through PR to do this? <laughs> 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 um, Liam, dude, you're always welcome on Geekscape. This is oh. our kind of movie. Forget the critics who are like, like oh, I'm sorry. This is like they're writing a review with their pinky out. Like, just forget that. Right, right, right. 
Like Thank this you. is our kind Thank of movie you. geeks, Davis. It comes out this weekend. You can go see it at the drive-in. You can see it on VOD. You can see it wherever you get any of this like 2020 content. But go see it at the drive-in. This is like actually a perfect drive-in movie, I think. I think so. Uh, and uh, of course, we're gonna have Liam back whenever he like does the next one. Uh, you know, the heartfelt countryside movie. That's not no effects ever. <laughs> No effects, no stages. Just you know, no, no one will hire me unless the movie has like either uh, a creature in it or a decapitation. Like no one's gonna fucking hire me unless. And guess what? I probably would add them if they hired me on a movie that didn't have it. So, I kind of, that, that that's another little piece of advice I feel like I've been taking is like kind of typecast yourself that like like the next movie I'm trying to get off the ground is a creature movie, uh, but it's a uh, World War II setting, Arctic. Very kind of serious, bleak, dread filled. So it'd be a, a change of pace, but like the financiers can look at the package and still go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a creature guy. He, yeah. he, he'll handle that. And that makes them feel better. It's like always yeah. trying to come at it from like, what's going to make it easy for the guy with the money or the girl, whoever with the money to say yes? And uh, and how do I, you know, make it so easy for them to just be like, oh, yeah, this is a no brainer. And that's Instead a really of like, point. sometimes it's not yeah. about, presenting it as the most creative amazing thing possible and presenting it as like this is this is the thing that will make you feel the most comfortable by giving us the money to make it and in geekscape is again like i know that hollywood sounds like it's a place where you just hit home run where home runs are the only thing that count but like this like life is so much made out of just course corrections and just remember that when man first got to the moon they were only on course for 10 percent of the voyage the entirety of it was course correcting okay so don't get deflated don't get bummed out just remember that this is part of that process and you know like take the course corrections as victories because it's it's a tough road dude uh liam thanks so much dude i wish you luck this weekend with the movie thanks for coming on geekscape and that is an open invite dude anytime i love it man of course uh geeks campus tell your friends to subscribe we got much more of this we got a couple more episodes i think coming out before the end of the year and we've already got a couple people booked for january so it's fun well you know who knows maybe i'll just never make a movie again and i'll just keep talking to you on the internet <laughs> if so you're gonna benefit uh your so mental health will benefit you know that <laughs> your mental health will benefit geeks campus my mental health will probably be in the crapper so leave me a five-star review to kind of buoy it a little bit uh Ooh, thanks man. again and uh geeks campus Over and out. Don't hate, create. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.